I love this time of year. Love it. I, I had several people this morning like, I love Easter. This is my favorite Sunday. This is why, this is, this is everything. I love Easter. And we do. We get excited about Easter. Uh, we sing the songs, and, and maybe they're songs that we sing all year long. But when you sing them on Easter, something different hits. It's just like something it awakens. And this is my favorite Sunday of the entire year, Resurrection Day. I've heard some pastors refer to it as the Super Bowl of, you know, the church, Super Bowl Sunday. But one thing confuses me. When in the world is Easter? Don't say today. I mean, it comes in two different months. can hit in March. It can hit in April. Beginning of the month, end of the month, anywhere in between. And I know there's probably a really good way to determine when it's going to be, but would it be so hard to make it like the first Sunday in April every year is Easter? Would that be too much to ask for? So I decided to do some research. And after I was done, I was just as confused as I was before I started. Ready for it? First off, it's important to know that even though the exact date of Easter changes every year, there is a specific period, a window in which the day occurs. And that's March 22nd through April 25th. Okay? In the Gregorian calendar, not the Julian calendar. Of course. Who in their right mind would use the Julian calendar anyway, right? No idea. Um, that's just crazy talk. So how do we determine when it falls? Pay attention now. Easter always occurs on the first Sunday after the Paschal full moon, which is the first full moon that occurs after the vernal equinox, which signifies the beginning of spring in the northern hemisphere. Easy, right? So after all of that, I hope that cleared things up, but the bottom line, the best way to determine when Easter is in a given year, ask Siri. That's what it comes down to. Regardless, Easter is amazing. Life from death. I just got to be, how many of you could have told me that's how Easter is calculated before I said that? Anyone in the room? No. That doesn't surprise me. But Easter is amazing. Life from death. That's why it's perfect that we celebrate Easter in the spring. Because new life is happening everywhere in the spring. New growth, new hours of daylight, new animals being born. We've got about a dozen baby goats and four baby pigs on the McKelvey's property where we live right now. They're incredibly cute for now. Uh, most of y'all know how I feel about goats, vile creatures, but that's a story for another time. So back to springtime. Everyone loves spring because everybody loves stuff that's new. Uh, I read a story that kind of dealt with getting new things the other day. And the story ended with a question. It was kind of one of those, what would you do in this situation kind of stories. You know, I read this online. And so we'll get to that in a minute, give you an opportunity to weigh in. But a guy was at the beach with his family, and he had to use the restroom. So he went a few hundred yards off the beach up to where the parking lot was, and there was a bunch of porta-potties there. You know, they set them there for people to use. And so he got there, and he went inside one of them, and then things went bad. While he was in the porta potty, pottying, um, his cell phone dropped out of the pocket of his swimsuit and went down the hole into the porta potty. Yes, the abyss, okay? If you've ever used one of those before, you know that that hole is not even to be looked into. You just pretend it's not there, right? You don't ever, ever look. But this man decided he had to look and see what had happened to his iPhone. And sure enough, there was his iPhone sitting there 
mostly on top of the stuff. And it was within reach. If he reached fully in, he could get it. So he had a decision to make. Do you reach into the hole and grab the iPhone because it is waterproof? Or do you say goodbye to a $1,000 plus iPhone? What would you do? Okay, it's your turn. How many of you here this morning would say, I don't care, I'm reaching in and getting my iPhone? Okay, now you all, knew how, all know who not to shake hands with when you leave today. <laughs> um, how many of you would say, no way, that phone is gone, it's bye-bye, moving on, right? Well, the story ended, and he did actually reach in and get the phone. Now, listen, if he came back to the beach, I'm his family, and he told me what he did, I'd be like, no, 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 no. That is wrong on so many levels. Are you going to use, like, the speakerphone from now on? Because that would never be going next to my face. Uh, there are not enough Lysol wipes on planet Earth to deal with this. But some people have a hard time letting go of things, moving on. Even old things, even broken things, we have a hard time letting go of. Even things that are better off left right where they are and opting for something new. And we have a name for that in our culture. It's called hoarding. Okay? You ever see the show Hoarders? Yeah, houses overrun with stuff, barely even livable because of how much stuff is sitting there. You can't even walk from room to room, and it's sad. And my heart breaks for these people when, when I've watched this show before because their lives are nowhere near what they could be and even what they should be because of this illness that they have. And, and it's, it's horrible. And here's a common misconception about hoarding. A hoarder is not someone who accumulates things. That's not what a hoarder is. It's not about getting more stuff. A hoarder is someone who can't get rid of the old when they get something new. It's a huge difference there. They're not a collector. They don't just want more stuff. They just can't let go of anything that they've had previously. And no matter how nice the new things that they get are, those new things get lost in the sea of chaos of the old stuff that they are unable to let go of. And I want to do something for you today that is going to be a first for everyone here, okay? I promise you, no one has ever had this happen before. I can pretty much guarantee it. On Easter Sunday, the first scripture I want to share with you all this morning is from the book of Leviticus. I promise you this is a first for an Easter sermon. But Leviticus is a book of the Bible that deals with the Old Testament law, God's rules for how his people were to live. Some of them are pretty unique rules. Uh, what would make them different from the other nations on the earth at that time? It's not a book of the Bible that a lot of people have ever even read, um, let alone focused on, on an Easter morning sermon. And I want to read this for you this morning because I believe this is a word from God for all of us here at Trilogy. Whether you're here for the first time or whether you've been here from the beginning, this is for you and the message it contains can transform your life today. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 10. God said, you will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. You will have such a surplus of crops. In other words, God is going to bring blessing that you will need to clear out the old grain to make room for the new harvest. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to live on the harvest of last year. I don't want to live on that. I especially don't want to live on the harvest of 2020. 
<laughs> I just punt that away. Uh, I don't want any more of the culture of fear and isolation and frustration and cancellation and hurt or confusion or stress or anger, anything else that we have seen all over our culture over the past few years. I'm over that. I want something new, not just in my life, but in our church, in our community, not just in our community, but in our culture. I want something new to take place. I want a new harvest to be here. I want God to sweep across our country and bring transformation, to bring new stories in a way we've never experienced in our lifetimes. I'm desperate for God to bring a new harvest. And I want to move all of that junk out of the way so that way we can make room for what God wants to do new in my life, in our church, in our community. So how is that an Easter verse? Because Easter is all about the old being removed and something new being placed in our lives. That's what Easter is. It's the old being removed to make room for the new that God wants to bring. And according to what God commanded in Leviticus here, if you want the new, you have to let go of the old. If you want the new, you've got to be willing to let go of the old. You can't coexist with old and new in your life. God doesn't wire us that way. If you want new, you've got to get rid of it. And Easter is all about that. You see, when, when this past Friday was Good Friday, and we remember how Jesus willingly, he was not forced, he was not coerced, he willingly walked to a cross and gave up his life. You say, wait a minute, the Roman soldiers were there and they forced him. No, Jesus could have stopped that. So he was not forced he was not coerced. Jesus willingly walked to the cross and gave up his life. He died for my sin and for yours. And then on Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. He was resurrected. And he now offers us a chance to get rid of our old life and exchange it for something new. And at its core, that is what Easter is. In its purest iteration, Easter is about exchanging the old for new. Strip away the first Sunday after the Paschal full moon. Take away the bunny, please. The candy, the family gatherings, and even the church services. You could take all of that away, and what you are left with is remembering, probably better said, a celebration of life from death. That's what Easter is. Of the old being removed and something new being put in its place. And that's exactly why Jesus came. Jesus came, he gives us a new life. Now, I don't do this often, but I want you to turn to someone near you, even if you're in the overflow room right now, uh, even if you're watching on Zoom in your living room, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I can have new life. Go. Every one of you just preached a sermon right now. And it's one of the most powerful sermons you will ever hear in your life. We can have new life. We're not stuck with the old. We're not stuck with our past. We're not buried in our sin. We don't have to carry around our past mistakes and our poor choices. Jesus came to get rid of all that. He's doing something new. He's doing something different. He wants to clear out the old to make room for the new harvest that God wants to bring to your life. Here's another Easter verse for you, 2 Corinthians. That, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a what? New life has begun. Some of us need to be reminded of that today. You've been in church forever. 
Or maybe you've been around church. Most people here in North Texas, they grew up in a culture of being around church. You grew up going to church maybe, and then you drifted away. And today God wants you to hear that he didn't give us Jesus so we could just kind of wander through life aimlessly. So you could hang on to your past and just show up at church once in a while so you feel less guilty. That is not what Jesus came to bring. The problem is that too many people have become spiritual hoarders. Remember what a hoarder was. It wasn't just somebody who accumulates stuff. It's somebody who can't let go of the old when they get something new. And what happens is people like the concept of Jesus. Maybe they like the message of Jesus. Maybe they like the teachings of Jesus or the values of Jesus. And so they just kind of add Jesus onto their lives. But they're not willing to let go of the old. They're not willing to release who they were. They won't release their past. They won't let God change who they were. They won't give up the way they used to do things. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus is not an add-on. He's not an in-app purchase that just makes things better. Jesus came to bring new life. And that life is infinitely better than anything that we can concoct for ourselves, anything that we can choose. You know how many people create mission statements for themselves? You know, they're like, this is, this is who I am, this is what I'm called to do, or for your organization. Jesus did the exact same thing. It's found in John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them, who's them? Y'all. A rich and satisfying life. That was Jesus' purpose to give us a rich and satisfying life. It is impossible for Jesus to fulfill his mission in your life if you are clinging to the past, if you are holding on to the way you used to be, if you refuse to let that go. That's the life Jesus wants to give you. It's not the old life. And for some of you, maybe joining us here at Trilogy for Easter for the first time, you're going, this is new information for me, that I can have a new life. See, when you understand that you have a new life in Jesus, you actually start living differently. You're different on the other side. Like this verse just told us, it's a new you because of the resurrection. You can have something new because of Easter. You can have new. And it's not just a nice and cleaned up or lysol version of yourself. That's not what Jesus came to do. But when we make Jesus the leader of our lives and the forgiver of our lives, guess what? We awaken to the reality of a new life. See, here's, here's you want to reduce Easter down? Here it is. The old life is deleted because of the work of the cross. A new life is given because of the work of the resurrection. The old life is deleted because of the work of the cross, the sacrifice that made provision for forgiveness of sin, and then the power of the resurrection transforms us into the new life that God wants to give us. Did you hear that? For some of you, this truth has already changed your life. For some of you, it's about to. The cross enables forgiveness of the old life. The resurrection gives us the power to live the new one. So many people, so many people in our culture think, I'm just going to add Jesus to the mix, onto the pile of all the old stuff going on in my life. I'll just kind of invite Jesus in, and he's an add-on. You know, I'll go to church a little bit more. I'll watch my mouth. I'll try not to cuss as much. 
I'll try to be nice to other people. Maybe do some random acts of kindness every once in a while. Give some money every once in a while. And be sure to post about it on social media so people think I'm great. And that makes me a Christian. But that's not the way it works. The way it works is so much better than that. It's so much bigger than that. God doesn't just put a Band-Aid on your brokenness. That is not what Christianity is. It's not a Band-Aid for your brokenness. You're not reformed. You're not rehabilitated. You're not re-educated. You are literally recreated. You are new. In fact, the Bible would say it this way. You don't become better. You become born again. Born again. John 3, 3, Jesus is talking to a a leader of the religious people called Nicodemus. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You literally cannot remain the same. It doesn't mean it's instantaneous perfection. I am living proof of that. We grow. We experience more of God, and we become more like Jesus as we grow in him. But there's movement. There's progression. It's not the same. In other words, Easter tells us you get the ultimate mulligan. The ultimate do-over is what the power of the resurrection brings us. It doesn't mean that the old habits and hurts and hang-ups don't carry forward, but now we are new creations in him. Listen to this passage from Romans 8. This is in the message translation. But for you who welcome him, Jesus, welcome him. Remember, you have to make room for the new. This is the part that we play. We have to make room for Jesus in our lives. You have to clear out the old. But how do you do that on your own? You can't. You have no ability to get rid of the old in your life. We're powerless against sin. That's what's incredible about the gospel. Jesus even does that for us. All you have to do is let him. You have to let go. And it continues, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin. What does that mean, the limitations of sin? We still live in a hopelessly broken world, folks. I know that's not news. Uh, Our world is screwed up, in case you didn't notice. I mean, there's a lot of bad things, hurtful things, disappointing things, painful things going on in our world. And yet in this old world, this verse says we can have a new life. You yourself experience new life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. What is he going to do? The same thing that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life that you used to live. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. This is the true meaning of Easter. See, Easter, here's the thing, is not just something you celebrate, it's something you live 365, 24-7, resurrection is something you experience every day. You can experience it. You can live resurrection. And as I'm saying that, some of you are going, well, how do I live resurrection? I'm not dead. (laughs) I mean, how do I do that? Very simply, and again, 
These are Jesus' words paraphrased, but if you invite Jesus to be the leader and the forgiver of your life, guess what? You are dead to your old self. Your old life is gone, along with all of the sin record, all of the transactional sin that you committed in the past. It's gone. In other words, your old way of living, your old way of thinking, your old way of acting is all gone. It's dead unless you choose to reach down into the abyss and grab hold of it. But here's our struggle. So many times it's hard for us to live new because we have all these old habits and hurts and hang-ups that we carry into this new life. Remember, we're spiritual hoarders, and we don't give up the old. We don't lay it down. We refuse to let it get taken out to the trash where it belongs. Instead, we carry it with us. But when you become new, Jesus knows that you're going to have these hurts and habits and hang-ups. So what does he do? He begins to go to work. And he draws you into the new and away from the old. He changes you. He actually begins to redeem some of the hurt. He begins to take that pain and give it purpose. He begins to forgive the moment you say, Jesus, forgive me. He forgives the sin record. He moves you forward, and sometimes it takes a little time for the old habits to go away, but Jesus helps us over time to live new. There's another lesser-known book in the Old Testament called Lamentations. We've gone from Leviticus to Lamentations. And there's a great verse in it for our Easter conversation this morning, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. What does that mean, to not be consumed? Consumed by what? Bottom line is that we've done wrong things, and God is perfect. He is holy. We are not. We've done hurtful things, malicious things, hateful things. We've done wrong things, and every wrong has to be righted, has to be dealt with. But here's the problem. Not one of us can deal with the wrong we've done in the past. Not one of us can do enough good to make up for the bad things we've done because the standard of goodness is not a really good person. The standard of goodness is God himself. And no way we ever measure up to that. We can never get there. And God realizes that. So what did God do? His love was so powerful for you that he didn't want us to be consumed by the consequences of our sin. And instead it says, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Worship team, I'd like you to come back up and get ready to close. You see, many of us don't realize, but God is compassionate towards you. He loves you. And maybe you think God's angry at you. I meet so many people as a pastor, so many people, and some of them have even grown up in church, and they feel like God is angry at them because of things they've done. And I've had people come up to me, and they'll be like, I'm sick, so I know God's probably punishing me somehow. Or maybe bad things are happening in their life, and so they're sure God's angry with them. He's ticked off, and we picture God like he, he sits on a throne, you know, a thousand miles in the sky. He's got a big white beard, and he points out all of our faults, and he's got this bony finger that points us in the face and says, you, you have failed. That's not the God that I serve. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Because Jesus was God. Jesus modeled compassion every day of his life. And according to the Bible, this compassion is new every morning. It never runs out. There's no limit. In fact, when we make little strides of progress in our faith story, God delights in us. 
I tell stories about my kids all the time. I have seven of them, so I got lots of stories. But why do I tell those stories? Because I love them. I get excited when good things happen to my kids. My heart breaks when bad things happen to them. I agonize when they make wrong choices, and I'm thrilled when they make good ones. Melissa and I delight in our kids. So here's the thing. If Melissa and I, flawed and broken people that we are, if we are that delighted in our kids, how much more is a perfect and loving Heavenly Father who is full of compassion every day for you, how much more delighted is He in you than we are as flawed, broken parents? Do you know that you consume His thoughts 24-7 individually? I know some of you are going like, well, how does he do that? There's like 7 billion people. Yeah, that's why he's God. Individually, he thinks about you. His eyes are on you. He is with you, and he loves you. And whether you realize it or not, his compassion is new, and some of us need to be reminded of that, that this new life brings new mercy every morning because of the work of Easter, because of Jesus and the empty tomb. You are new in God's eyes. All of your wrong is erased. And with God's help, we take these small steps, steps that are moving you in the right direction. Some of you, you're just kind of curious about faith today. You're kind of checking things out and evaluating. That's a step in the right direction. And God delights in that you can belong maybe even before you believe. Some of us, we're, we're less angry than we were before Christ. We're less hurtful. We're less sarcastic. Our words don't damage the way that they used to. We're less toxic, less depressed. We love more, making better choices. We're less full of pride. Now, are we still working on it? Absolutely. But God is bringing us out of the old and bringing us into the new. And we're realizing the work of the cross and the resurrection in our lives every single day that we're alive. So as I wrap this up, I want to share what does this new look like? What does it mean for us? What can it mean for you? First of all, it means a new relationship. God loves you unconditionally. You can't do one thing that will make God love you more. Impossible. You can't do one thing that will make him love you less. Impossible. You can't earn it. In fact, he loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross and then resurrected him so you could have new life. So you could start a new relationship with a new life. You start a new relationship with your creator with Jesus. Secondly, you get a new family, a place to belong, the family of God. What is that? The church. Yes, the capital C church, as in followers of Jesus all over the world, but also a local family of believers like Trilogy. Now, I know some of you are like, whoa, the church is flawed. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's obvious. In fact, the church family has the weird cousins just like your family. It's just the way it is. There are very flawed people. You know why the church is flawed? Because we're here. The church is flawed because it's made up of flawed and broken people. But guess what? We serve a perfect leader. The leader of the church is Jesus. So what do we do? We come together as a spiritual family. And some of you think you don't need church. You do. You need people to do life with. You need people to support you. You need people to pray with you. You need also to have a place where you can help others, where you can serve. God designed to be the church to be all of those things for his children. Third thing, you get a new purpose. 
And this is a new purpose that is elevated. It's way above the standard, I'm just going to make money and buy stuff for 80 years. Instead, it's a purpose that gives you a new why. Why you are alive. And God begins to show you his divine purposes. You know, you are made for a purpose. You are made on purpose. There's an assignment that God has for you in this life. Number four, you get new power. Power to overcome. All the problems in life don't disappear when you say yes to Jesus. When you get a new life, you become new in an old world. And so you need power to be able to navigate the challenges of life. And when you receive new life, Jesus takes residence inside of you. His spirit is with you, gives you strength that you didn't know you had, gives you wisdom, gives you discernment, gives you the things that you need to navigate in this hopelessly broken world. And the last thing he gives you is a new story. New life means a new story. And it's different on the other side. Some of us, we need a new story, don't we? I mean, our story up to this point has maybe been full of brokenness or pride, maybe selfish ambition. Maybe it's been full of depression or loneliness. Maybe the story up to this point has had lies, but highs, but then it's had really low lows. And you're like, I don't like this story. I don't like where it's going. I don't like the trajectory of it. Because deep down on the inside, when I lay my head on my pillow at night, it doesn't fulfill me. I know there's got to be more. And I want you to know, you can have a new story. God, when you invite him through Jesus into your life, you begin a new story. He does that in you. He begins to write that. He takes the stuff from your past and begins to redeem it. He begins to reconcile it. He begins to use it. And he gives you a new story, a much better story than you can write on your own. Trilogy Church is filled with broken, ugly, and messed up people that God has given new life to. And he's writing a new story through. We're all walking miracles. We're all walking evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. And God can do the same for you this Easter morning. I want the worship team to lead us in one more song this morning, and then I'll come back up and close us out. Can't go back to the beginning Can't control what tomorrow will bring But I know here in the middle Is a place where you'll promise to be I'm not enough unless you come Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all Shadows in my 
our voices. So the question I have for each and every one of us this morning 
The question I have is this. If you haven't experienced a new life in Jesus, do you want one? Do you want new life? Do you want the old to go away? Do you want a new story to now come? Do you want a forgiven life, a new life, a resurrected life? If you do, it's Easter. What a great day to make a decision to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Not to join a church. This has nothing to do with a denomination. It has everything to do with you personally. Your decision to make room for Jesus in your life, to let go of the past, to invite him in to become the leader and forgiver of your life. And this is what I know. When that resurrection power comes into your life, sins are forgiven. A new life comes. And anybody can do this. There are no prerequisites. You don't have to get cleaned up first. Jesus does that for you. All you have to do is ask and let go of the past. Anybody can open up the door to their hearts. So let's bow our heads this morning. Let's close our eyes and get ready for prayer. And if you're here and you would say, that's what I want, I want new life in Jesus today, whether this is something new to you and you're like, this is what I've been waiting for, this is what I've been needing, or maybe you've been using Jesus as an add-on. Jesus has just been put on top of the old and you haven't let go. You haven't released. And today, you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you saying, now is the time. You've got to let go of your past. You've got to embrace the new life that I have for you. And God is speaking to you right now saying, this is it. This is your moment. Would you respond to me? I want Jesus to come in. I want him to forgive me. I want him to bring his resurrection power to begin to write a new story for me. And if that's you, I want you to just go ahead right now and just raise your hand. If you fall in any of those categories, thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome, thank you. And I don't care. This is between you and the Lord. You can put your hand back down as soon as you've raised it. I don't care if you're in the other room and you're raising your hand or you're at home watching on Zoom and you raise your hand. It doesn't matter if I see it because this is something you're doing with God. Respond to him today. And here's what I want. There were hands all across this room. I'm sure there were some in the other room. I'm sure there were some at home. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. I want you to all repeat this prayer after me. Whether you've prayed it before or not, let's all say this out loud together this morning. And you need to realize as you say this prayer that the God who loves you is listening specifically to your voice. Not to us corporately. He's listening to you because he saw your hand and he knows your heart. So let's pray this prayer together. Ready? Repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you today and I need forgiveness of my sin. And all I've done wrong I open up the door of my life to you. And I invite you in. Give me a new life. A forgiven life. A life of purpose. And a life of your power. I let go of the old. And I embrace the new life. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. I love you. And I will live for you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give it up for everyone who prayed that prayer this morning. Come on, this should be the biggest hand clap you give today. What a life-changing day. What a resurrection day. And I have one more thing to say. That, that is this. 
The most important thing now that you could do if you prayed that prayer this morning and meant it is to come back and join your God family, your church family. Find a place to belong and live it out in community. Live out your faith in community. If not here at Trilogy, then somewhere where you can join with another church family to grow. We would love for you to find a home here, and we're excited to be part of your new story, and we will help you to get connected. We'll help you grow. And we've got some of our prayer team who would love to connect with you this morning for just a minute to say, hey, here's the next steps you can take. Here's what the first chapter in your new story should look like. Because here's the thing. Faith is a personal decision that God intends for us to live out in community. Okay? It's a personal decision that we live out in community. Some of you have made that personal decision today, and now it's time to bring in the family. It's now it's time to live it out in community. And so here's, you know, when you walked in, there was the welcome tent outside that you saw coming in. There's going to be some people out there from our prayer team that all I want you to do is, as you're walking out today, stop by that tent and just say these words, I got new life today. That's it. I got new life today. Four words. I got new life. Five. Counting is hard. Uh, but I... <laughs> Wow, how did I blow four to five? Um, but I want you to stop by and just share that phrase, I got new life today. And they're, all they're going to do is just take one minute and just say, hey, here's some things you need to be thinking about. Here's your next step. Here's how you can grow. And we'd love to do that. One more time for everyone, let's stand together, who made that decision. And for Jesus who has risen, would you lift your voice? Would you clap your hands and let's give him praise this morning? Come on. Let's do that. Praise you, Jesus. You are worthy, God. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done and for all you continue to do. God, we give you praise this morning on this Resurrection Sunday. God, you are worthy. We love you, and we go out today not leaving this behind, but living it, God. We bring it with us for your glory. We live the new life in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have an amazing Sunday.